Welcome to episode 185 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about January 2022, the month the federal government proved even to its defenders that it cannot and should not be trusted. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as Hunter Biden's laptop, happiness, decentralization, Anthony Fauci, or the injunctions against the vaccine mandates comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Bear Shelves Biden, as the current resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is now referred to as, continues his reign of willful negligence. The supply chain problem, a completely man-made problem, as I explained in episode 170, continues to wreak havoc in stores as the sight of empty shelves becomes normal. In America, we have empty shelves. Only a doddering old fool like Joe Biden and a Democratic Party that implements destructive environmental policies to restrict the movement of goods could pull something like this off. His first year in office found him with a 59% disapproval rating among independents, with 40% of all those surveyed believing he is mentally unfit to serve. During the year, there was a 14-point swing to Republican Party affiliation. The year started out with the Dems at with a 49 to 40 lead among registered voters. The year ended with that ratio at 42 to 47. Last but not least, the COVID death count under Biden's first year exceeded that of Trump's. Why is that worthy of mentioning? Because Biden called for Trump to resign when the death count hit 70,000. Because every single death was Trump's fault. Remember that? We are now at over 8 100,000 deaths. Also, it's worthwhile to note that under Trump's watch, the vaccine had not been rolled out. With inflation at a 40-year high, the Federal Reserve says they plan to tighten monetary policy and start raising rates, something they should have done 10 years ago. Now remember, the Federal Reserve was created to maintain stable prices. That was its congressional charge. Then they changed it to fight inflation and work towards full employment. Then they changed their charge to keeping inflation below 2% because that allows them to print money to fund the federal government's largesse. Now the Fed is presiding over 7% official rate of inflation, but you and I both know, or anyone who shops on a regular basis, that they're really living in a world of 15-20% to inflation. Regardless, the one-trick pony Democrat solution to rising prices is to flood the economy with more money. See, they claim that more money in the economy will fix the rising price problem. Talk about delusional. They want to pump more money into the economy where there's already a shortage of goods. Hello? 
econ 101 lower supply and higher demand equals rising prices an abc news ipso poll released at the end of the month indicates 75 percent of those polled are pessimistic about the economy can't imagine why in case there is any doubt after they upheld the obviously unconstitutional CDC-dictated eviction moratorium last year, Associate Justices Sotomayor, Breyer, and Kagan proved once and for all that they should be impeached for violating their oath of office. They voted to allow the OSHA employer vaccine mandate to stand. Now keep in mind, this is not a law passed by Congress and signed by the President. This is a presidential proclamation by Resident Biden. And these three partisan hack frauds found it constitutional without ever referring to the Constitution in their dissenting opinion. Then Kavanaugh and Roberts voted with the majority to allow the healthcare worker vaccine mandate for workers whose employer receives federal funds. What healthcare facility doesn't receive money from the feds? The federal government is the largest healthcare purchaser in the country, which in and of itself is unconstitutional as I cannot locate healthcare in the Constitution. So basically, our republic hangs by a string, with the president making monarchical-like proclamations with no constitutionally required congressional involvement. And we have a court system, even at the highest level, willing to allow it to stand. Oh, and Justice Breyer announced that he's retiring. See, the Republicans are about to take back both houses of Congress in November, and the Libs know the Senate run by Mitch McConnell will slow walk any nominee for the remaining two years of Biden's presidency, so they need to get the replacement in now. Biden came out and said he would only choose a black woman as the nominee. No cries of racism from the left. Given the fact that the Libs on the court already should be impeached for violating their oath of office, it really doesn't matter that Biden is uninterested in finding the most qualified candidate. Just one that with the right genitalia and the right skin pigmentation. That same ABC News Ipso poll I just mentioned indicates 76% of those polled oppose choosing Supreme Court nominee in this manner. And just like that, the pandemic was over, at least in many places around the world. We went from pandemic to endemic. England, Scotland, Sweden, Ireland, Denmark, and others ended their COVID tyranny during the month. COVID-19 restrictions such as passports, mask mandates, and work-from-home guidance were removed in England. Ireland ended many of their COVID-19 restrictions, including certificates, curfews, social distancing, and capacity limits. Turns out the CDC has known for some time that natural immunity is stronger than the vaccine. Despite that fact, they and the National Democrats advocated for vaccine mandates or firing employees who refused to comply. Another study was published demonstrating that natural immunity from COVID lasts at least 18 months. Meanwhile, evidence continues to mount that the vaccines don't work. Yes, I know, I know, everyone says shit like, well, we know the vaccine isn't perfect and we know its effectiveness wanes over time, but it at least provides you with some protection from serious illness. However, I have yet to see a study proving that claim, which might explain why the wishful chant of this is an epidemic of the unvaccinated has now been turned on its head to this is an epidemic of the vaccinated. The most vaccinated places on the planet have some of the highest infection rates, from Chile to Israel to Singapore to Gibraltar, Uruguay, the United Arab Emirates. 
Several studies came out during the month, including one out of Houston, demonstrating that over half of the COVID hospitalizations are among the vaccinated. A Danish study of nearly 12,000 households has discovered that Omicron spreads faster than Delta among those who are fully vaccinated, and even faster between those who have received booster shots, indicating the variant's ability to better dodge vaccine-induced immunity. Unvaccinated individuals were about as susceptible to infection as the vaccinated. A study out of the People's Republic of Australia, New South Wales to be exact, demonstrated that they are seeing more fully vaccinated patients hospitalized with COVID-19 compared to the number of unvaccinated patients. Check out episode 176, The Truth About Australia, The COVID Nightmare, if you're interested in what the hell's going on over there. Other studies are trickling out from across the pond that our corruptocrats here in the states are still censoring, showing that the vaccine wanes over the course of six to eight months and may even cause a negative impact to the vaccinated's immune system. Essentially, what the studies are implying is that the COVID-19 vaccine may actually damage the immune system of the vaccinated. More studies are needed, of course, since the vaccine was rolled out with no clinical trials. The CDC director finally acknowledged that anyone who followed the data already knew that a large majority of those who died from COVID had multiple comorbidities. Better late than never. The FDA authorized a booster shot of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for people aged 12 to 15 years old. Why someone would inject an experimental vaccine with no longitudinal clinical studies on adverse impacts into the arm of a preteen or a teenager that is 100 times more likely to die of a car accident than from COVID-19 is beyond comprehension. Why the government would authorize it is just another brick in the wall of why the government should never be trusted. By the way, the science demonstrates that the majority of teenagers hospitalized with COVID were severely obese. That's coming from the CDC, folks. Does the government do ad campaigns about losing weight, taking vitamin C, D, and zinc? Do they tell you about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and monoclonal antibody treatments? No, no, and no. Because they are a one-trick pony. Take the vaccine or else. When it comes to shooting up kids with experimental vaccine, research this question. Have more children died from COVID or from the COVID vaccine? The answer will infuriate you. So we found out definitively during the month that human life has no value to the monsters running the federal government. The same can be said to the medical establishment that is too cowardly to stand up to the feds. Both would rather watch its citizens or patients die from COVID than to provide them with safe, effective, cheap therapeutics. How can I make such a claim? Well, first, the monoclonal antibody treatment. Remember going back several months, the government bought up, that is the federal government, bought up a large majority of the supply that they then distributed to the states as they determined was appropriate. Kind of like the central planners in the Soviet Union. Then during this last month, the FDA, out of the blue, announced a restriction to the use of two monoclonal antibody treatments because they are, quote, unlikely to work against Omicron and they have some side effects. Leading me to ask the question, shouldn't the FDA pull the COVID vaccine since it's not effective against Omicron and has side effects? Continuing the theme that human life is meaningless to the feds and the medical establishment, 
Throughout the pandemic, the feds have threatened medical boards and hospitals not to use ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which trickles down to the doctors who refuse to prescribe them. That then trickles down to the pharmacist level who are afraid to fill the prescriptions. Medical boards routinely threaten doctors who prescribe these remedies with the loss of their medical license. With that knowledge, people get ivermectin from foreign pharmacies, and the FDA endorses the seizing of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine from those foreign sources. Then we have the fact that hospitals are letting patients die rather than administering ivermectin and or hydroxychloroquine. Families are forced to sue hospitals to get their loved ones these drugs, and they are losing these lawsuits. Families are forced to sneak ivermectin into the hospital to their loved ones. It's like the Soviet Union or North Korea. If the medical establishment took their Hippocratic Oath seriously, they would flip the middle finger to the FDA and administer all of these safe, effective, inexpensive treatments as they see fit. After all, the FDA is an unconstitutional agency. There is no power delegated to the federal government in the Constitution related to health care. I wrote this on Facebook. How many doctors violated their Hippocratic Oath by refusing to treat their COVID-positive patients with cheap, safe, effective, repurposed, off-label drugs, and as a result are directly responsible for their deaths after sending them home with no treatment, only to have them end up hospitalized where they die from pneumonia? The COVIDian cult will go down in history as a death cult. A mass death cult. The definition of fully vaccinated was willy-nilly changed by the CDC during the month. You must be boosted to be considered fully vaccinated, which simply means that the number of fully vaccinated people will plummet as the previously compliant refuse to inject any more experimental juice into their bodies. Speaking of willy-nilly CDC changes, Given the shortages in the healthcare industry due to the firing of the unvaccinated, the CDC miraculously cut the need to quarantine from 10 days to 5. Just like that. I wonder if they'll cut the worthless social distancing guidelines in half too. The California Department of Public Health issued guidance that allows healthcare networks to enable COVID-19 positive employees to keep working if they don't show any symptoms. So let me get this straight. Unvaccinated nurses with natural immunity were fired just so vaccinated nurses who tested positive for the virus could be allowed to work as long as they're asymptomatic. Is that what following the science looks like? The CDC, very busy during the month, they also dropped its mandatory COVID-19 protocols for cruise lines and shifted to a voluntary program. I'll tell you what, only the best and brightest must work at the CDC. Month after a month, we saw cruise ships full of fully vaccinated people come down with widespread infections. New figures out of England demonstrate that more than half of all patients in English hospitals with COVID-19 are being treated primarily for something else. The latest statistics show a growing proportion of patients who are in the hospital with COVID-19 rather than for COVID-19. This is something we've known all along, but we're censored from saying. In a continuation of stories from previous months, the vaccinated continue to suffer through breakthrough cases of COVID. Anytime this is mentioned, you hear the, the typical, well, you're, you're protected from hospitalization. As I mentioned earlier, I always like to ask the question, where's the evidence to prove that claim? But I also like to make another point. And that is that if we could easily get our hands on ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine and monoclonal antibody treatments, the vaxxed and unvaxxed wouldn't give two shits about any of this. 
That is the story of COVID in a nutshell. As I've pointed out repeatedly, the powers that be would rather people die than to flood the market with proven, inexpensive, safe, and effective remedies and prophylactics. French President Emmanuel Macron said the quiet part out loud during the month when he said he is determined to make the lives of French citizens who refuse to get the COVID vaccine miserable. Quote, we won't send the unvaccinated to prison, but we will make their lives more complicated and encourage people not vaccinated against COVID-19 to get the shot by limiting as much as possible their access to activities in social life. You may also recall President Biden several months ago echoing the sentiment when he said that his patience was wearing thin with the unvaccinated. Totalitarians require compliance. You need to understand that both of these men are evil. What kind of sickos endorse forcing someone to inject something into their body? Both of these assholes endorse the now defunct leftist chant of my body, my choice when it comes to murdering innocent babies in the womb, but they think nothing of forcing this vaccine on people. In addition to myocarditis, which is heart inflammation, blood clots, heart attacks, Bell's palsy, cerebral venous thrombosis, cerebral hemorrhage, acute venous thromboliembolism, and a bunch of other things that I can't pronounce have been determined to be adverse effects. Now, I pulled a lot of these names that I can't pronounce from an article I read that documented a thousand published studies from around the world about the adverse effects of COVID-19 vaccine. In addition to all of those mispronounced conditions, you can now add menstrual cycle disruption to the list of adverse side effects that we are not allowed to talk about proving yet again that this is nothing more than the largest vaccine trial in the history of man. In episode 180, I explained the concept of mass psychosis. The results of a poll conducted by Heartland Institute and Rasmussen Reports offered proof positive that this is a real thing. Here's some statistics from that poll. 59% of Democrat voters would favor a government policy requiring that citizens remain confined to their homes at all times except for emergencies if they refuse to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, why, why, would they, why would they condone that? It also found that 48% of Democrat voters think federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals who publicly question the efficacy of existing COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio, or online or digital publications. Why would they endorse that? Why would they kill free speech? 45% of Democrats would favor government requiring citizens who temporarily live in designated facilities or locations if they refuse to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Again, why? What, what danger do they pose to society? And 29% of Democrat voters would support temporarily removing parents' custody of their children if parents refuse to take the COVID-19 vaccine. These people are suffering from a form of psychosis. You understand that, don't you? In one of the cooler stories I've seen in a long time, a massive group of truckers protesting the COVID-19 vaccine mandate on their industry in Canada made its way across the country to Ottawa. As the month ended, the caravan was some 43 miles long. Back in 2005, the Democrats screamed bloody murder over the thought that the Republicans might abolish the Senate filibuster procedure. Their favorite refrain was something like, the idea of killing the filibuster is a doomsday for democracy. 
Despite that fact, Democrats tried to abolish the filibuster during the month, calling it a racist relic. Why, you ask? So they could ram through Biden's sure to bankrupt the country infrastructure bill and to nationalize elections, both of which are unconstitutional, of course. Two Democrat senators stood in the way of the 50-50 split Senate, Arizona Senator Cinema and West Virginia Senator Manchin. Check out episode 155, The Truth About the Filibuster, if you're interested in a brief history lesson on that procedure. Given the fact that they got away with banning Trump, Twitter permanently banned a sitting congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for misinformation about COVID, which means they were telling the truth and the National Democrats don't want it to be said. Twitter is just showing their irrelevance in the marketplace. Gab, Parler, and others are making Twitter less relevant by the day as Rumble, Locals, BitChute, and Brighteon, and others do the same to YouTube. Ever since Joe Rogan announced to the world that he survived COVID with ivermectin and monoclonal antibody treatment, and he has advised other celebrities such as quarterback Aaron Rodgers and UFC chairman Dana White about COVID treatments, he has been public enemy number one of the left-wing lunatics. One of the most censored individuals in the world, Dr. Robert Malone, appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast. He explained why so many people are going along with the ridiculous COVID hysteria, the aforementioned mass psychosis. Then we had legendary singer-songwriter Neil Young deliver an ultimatum to Spotify. You can have my music on your platform, or you can have Joe Rogan on your platform. See, Neil apparently is suffering from this mass psychosis that I keep mentioning, because he likely marinates in CNN and MSNBC all day long. It really wasn't a tough decision on the part of Spotify. See, when you pay someone Patrick Mahomes money like they do Joe Rogan, and Neil's music adds, what, a couple thousand bucks a year to the bottom line, it seems like a pretty easy business decision to me. I suppose I should probably briefly mention what's going on in Ukraine and the stupid January 6th Congressional Hoax Committee. Honestly, I find both very boring as they just demonstrate an embarrassing level of corruption in D.C. But let's start with Ukraine. Biden announced that he's sending troops to the region, as Putin has spent the better part of a year amassing troops on the Ukraine border. My question is, what national interest does the U.S. have in Ukraine? I love listening to the war hawks on both sides of the aisle try to articulate the answer to that question. The reverse question, what national interest does Russia have in Ukraine, is easy to answer with a short history lesson. In a nutshell, after World War II, NATO was established to protect Western Europe from the Soviet Union. Over the decades, NATO expanded its membership eastward towards Russia. The Soviet Union crumbled in 1989. Did the U.S. dismantle NATO? Nope. They couldn't give up that power. What's worse is NATO continued to expand towards Russia after the collapse of the USSR. I have one question for you. Well, actually two. The first one, how would the U.S. government react if Russia or China started amassing troops or signing protective treaties with Canada or Mexico or Cuba? Oh, right, we know how the U.S. government would react because of the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. My second question is, are you willing to sign up your baby to go die in Ukraine? The same ABC News Ipso poll I mentioned earlier twice found that 29% support deploying troops to Ukraine. Well done, Joe. Before I dive into the January 6th committee BS, I have a question for you. Why are people charged with trespassing of the Capitol building on January 6, 2021, still being held in detention centers a year later 
when Antifa and BLM activists actually violent arsonists who looted and burned cities during the summer of 2020 are walking the streets. Regarding the committee, so the Democrats set up this ridiculous hoax committee to study the January 6th trespassing event at the Capitol as a way to continue to drag Trump's name through the mud since two impeachments and a four-year Mueller investigation based on false information and a social media purge weren't enough. Really, all I can say about this is it's a joke. The two Republicans on the committee, which enable Pelosi to walk around and call it a bipartisan effort, are jokes. Both will lose their seats in November. The whole thing is laughable as witness after witness either refuse to comply with the subpoenas or they simply plead the fifth. Meanwhile, the true story about that day continues to come out with evidence of FBI informants and other federal agents instigating the crowd and actually perpetrating the property damage. One defense attorney provided evidence that the doors to the Capitol were open from the inside which really isn't news given the fact that the police officers were taking selfies with the trespassers. The whole incident is no different than a drunk staggering out of a bar, encountering a cop who looks at him and says, you're good to go, go ahead and drive yourself home, only to be pulled over a mile down the road and charged with DUI. Just understand that the purpose of the committee, besides to bash Trump angle, is to build a narrative that sets the stage for domestic terrorism legislation. You know all those white supremacists they keep talking about? They need to be monitored. Check out episode 172, The Truth About January 6th, for a deep dive into that topic. And that's the truth about January 2022. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 